Raised on D&D Podcast helps to enrich your family's gaming experience by bringing you interviews with parents, educators, game designers, and influencers. Join us as we delve into the many ways that tabletop role-playing games inspire creativity, develop communication skills, and create long-lasting bonds among players. Your host has been an avid gamer since childhood, and now his kids are being raised on D&D. Here is your host, Nick Cardarelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cardarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest is originally from Muhlenberg County, Kentucky. She's a wife, mother of three, and an educator. She has been playing D&D for almost 20 years. Please welcome my beautiful wife, Cassandra Cardarelli. Thank you so much, Nicholas. I appreciate that kind introduction. Well, thank you for being back on the show. This is the Raised on D&D podcast Mother's Day special, and I can't think of a mom that I'd rather have on the show. (laughs) So uh, we're going to talk a little bit. It's been a long time since we've had you on the show. It's uh, season two, episode three or four, so it's been a long, long time. Let's get kind of updated on gaming with the kids and what we've been up to and what we've been doing. Well, honestly, gaming with the kids has been kind of sparse lately. We've been so busy as a family. Everyone's kind of doing their own things now that the kids are older. We all we have three teenagers in the house now, which no, is terrifying. All, all in high school, yep. But, um, you know, our oldest now has a job, so she works at least four or five days out of the week in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our free time isn't so free anymore. <laughs> yep, and they're... Busy with high school and prepping for graduation and college and all those things. So it's gotten it's gotten a little hectic. For sure. But we have had some gaming recently. Josh, our 15-year-old, took us on a custom D&D game that he created uh, about a video game that he has. He did. He, he kind of fell in love with this little video game that he played for a while. Uh, it was called Mount and Blade. Yep, Mountain Blade Warband. Uh-huh. Yeah, he fell in love with that game, and he said this would make a great role-playing game. Yep. And uh, I remember you encouraged him to kind of turn it into a tabletop RPG, so he got right to work, and he did a really good job. He was very excited about it, and, and we've, we've kind of fleshed it out, and I said, you know, just take the tutorial video game adventure and translate that into Dungeons and Dragons. And he did, he did a really good job. He did do a good job. And I thought it was a fun game. It was, it was different than what we are used to playing because there wasn't a fantasy element there. And it was more, it was more historical. Much more. And I guess the mechanics of the game were a little more, hmm, I don't want to say robotic or anything like that, but it, it was more, it was definitely more gritty because people weren't casting spells. We weren't getting sure. healed. Um, I think that was part of the frustration right there was, you know, battles were... were Intense. Intense and yeah. dangerous. And we were like, you know, you can't just drink a potion and, and get through this. Exactly. So, I mean, that was uh, that was pretty, pretty cool. And I think that he did a great job of, of taking Mountain Blade Warband, making it... Uh, tabletop role-playing game. I always enjoy it when he GMs, too. That's just so much fun. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's great to see how he's going to 
how he's developed as a dungeon master over the years. He does an excellent job with voices and Mm -hmm. having a different voice for each character. And he remembers what each person sounds like. And he can even kind of mimic other languages, even even languages that aren't real, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's. He shared some of his Tolkien languages with us yes. and things like that on the show. And um, we took we took a different direction last Halloween and we introduced them to a very different game. We got away from sword and sorcery and we took them to uh, Vampire the Masquerade around the table. Yes, that um, was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. So I, what was what was some of your favorite parts of that? A little one-shot Halloween that we did. Well, I'll be honest. The whole game kind of frustrated me because I have a hard time when playing with the kids. If I figure out the mystery or the puzzle or whatever it is very early on, I have to hold back. I don't want to just blurt it out. Hey, this is what I think it is. Because it it makes it not fun for them. Mm-hmm. They don't get a chance to gather all of the information and make their own decisions about anything. And I, I just kind of bite my tongue as hard as I possibly can in some situations so that I don't give away too much. And I don't want to wreck your game either, you know? <laughs> you work really hard. And, I, you know, I can't help it that I've seen 100 billion movies in my life and... <laughs> Hey, this one reminded me of this, you know. I Well, and it doesn't help that uh, you've been gaming for over 20 years sure. now. So some of those tropes are pretty obvious. Yeah. And then uh, most of those million movies you've watched, uh, we watched together. <laughs> True. So if I'm inspired by some piece of film or uh, some art that uh, about about vampires and vampire hunting and those kind of things. What I thought was really neat about our Vampire the Masquerade game was nobody wanted to play vampires, which was very unusual to me. I would have had fun either way. I just Uh kind of went with what the kids wanted to do because it was about, it was about them. You know, we wanted them to have fun and it was an introduction for them to something that they had never played before. And and so they wanted to play vampire hunters, Mm -hmm. which of course, Vampire the Masquerade, the world of darkness is not really designed no, for you to play humans. Not at all. And uh, and it's really, really hard to balance that. But it was a fun experience because yes. it wasn't really about who wins, who loses. Mm-hmm. It was fun to experience the horror of the game, which mm-hmm. I think they had a ball with. I think they just absolutely loved it. It was perfect for Halloween. Yeah, it was made for a great Halloween game. The frequency of gaming together has diminished. We touched on the busy schedules and them having go, going in different directions. But you had a special challenge this past year and a half. Yeah, even longer than that, honestly. I've I've had a back injury that caused me to have debilitating sciatica. Mm-hmm. It was just pain that went from my lower back all the way into my toes. And I can't even really describe to you the level of pain that I was in most days. But it definitely impacted everything. It impacted my entire life, every single facet. And it was sad because, you know, we would still try to play with the kids. And I wasn't able to sit at the table for very long. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to really focus on the game like I usually would. I was busy shifting in my seat or getting up to walk around. 
and I was always preoccupied by the pain. So, and on top of that, you were a full time student uh, finishing yeah, up your degree. That's true. So, um, and you did finish your degree. Yes, I did. I am all done now. I am the proud recipient of my bachelor's degree in of science in interpersonal and organizational communications. It's a great degree to, to get. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't agree more. But you didn't just get your degree. You finished with honors. I did, yeah. I, I, I graduated magna cum laude from my class at Florida Southern College. While doing that and dealing with the debilitating sciatica. Mm-hmm. So as that year and a half really went on things got worse and And not not only were you not able to sit for a long time um we tried to do things to accommodate during games Mm -hmm. um the first thing we did of course was move the game away from the dining room table uh into the living room so that you would have more options for sitting because i remember during the games you would have to you would start in one chair and then you'd end up on the couch and oh, then yeah. you'd have to move again or walk around a little bit. Um, and there were many games that we had to stop early because mm-hmm. I had to go lay down. I just couldn't. There was nothing comfortable for me other than laying down. And... Do, you, do you feel like the constant disruption from your pain, do you feel that that negatively affected the immersion oh for sure Mm -hmm. yeah like i said i couldn't focus on the game like i really wanted to so i wasn't able to put myself into those situations i wasn't able to really feel my character right and it made it tedious it made the game so much harder so much more work rather than escape rather than you know feeling like I was going on an adventure, which is the whole point, you know, <laughs> I, I felt confined and kind of imprisoned by my body. It was not a fun situation whatsoever, but, um, I'm just grateful it's all over now. I had a laminectomy in January and, uh, it took me about two months to recover to the point where I could do the things that I used to do. And, now I'm slowly but surely getting back to my old self. Well, and uh, we're all relieved that the surgery was successful mm-hmm. and that it worked. Because I know for a lot of people who have that surgery, it's it's hit or miss. It, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't doesn't make it go away. And all of my pain isn't gone. I do still have some lingering nerve issues, but for the most part, the major problems have been cleared up. And during that time period, we tried to start a brand new campaign. Mm -hmm. So we had been doing our like Halloween one shots and um, uh, my good friend David Oakham at Oakham Arts Games was kind enough to run Save the Day, his superhero role playing game that's available on drivethroughrpg.com. And uh, he ran that for you, me and Zach. Um, and we got to play in a DC superheroes adventure, which mm-hmm. was really, really fun. So other than those one shots and those, uh, those special event days, 
we tried to do a campaign. Yes, we did a Palladium fantasy campaign, and it was so much fun. Yes. Well, I know that we we went back to our setting from 20 years ago. Yes. We went back to Palladium fantasy. We went back to the great northern wilderness. Yes. And we started back in Howlsburg, which is a town that my friend James Cooper actually wrote. And he created some of the major features and NPCs. He was my mentor as a game master. And then when I became a game master, of course, I took Howlsburg and made it my own. Mm-hmm. So it was great to go back to Howlsburg after all these years. It's and, always fun to go to Howlsburg. <laughs> and, uh, and it was great to take the children there for the first time. Yes. I think they really enjoyed it also. So what were some, and, I, and again, this was during your senior year in college and it was during yes it was during my writing a billion papers yes. every semester that's how it felt that was and ludicrous you, and you were dealing with uh with your sciatica but what can you remember about the campaign um as far as uh, like the the main parts that really stood out to you that you were able to enjoy well, I enjoyed watching the kids really come into their characters. Uh, each one of them had such different personalities, just like they really do in real life. And it was great to see them kind of utilizing their skills that their characters were able to, to do and <clears throat> the decisions that they would make based on what they could do and what they couldn't do as a character. I just really enjoy that. I always enjoy that with every game that we play because you can see their growth as people based on their decisions, you know, based on how they help others in the game. And, you know, if they make decisions to harm others or to take things that don't belong to them, things like that, you kind of you kind of get a little look into their psyche, where they're at. <laughs> You know, they may be playing their alter ego, and that might give you clues into things that they might be frustrated about in real life. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, that might be a little overly psychological of me to try and analyze what they're going through in real life based on their gameplay, but it does give me insight. And as their mother, you know, it kind of opens a door for me to be able to ask questions later, like, hey, how are you feeling about this? You know, Mm -hmm. what's going on over here in your life? And oftentimes, I'm right on the money, you know? I, I just have that gut instinct that, hey, something's going on over there. So after the game, maybe days after the game, I might pull one of them aside and say, hey, you remember during the game this happened? You want to talk about that? I think one of the things that made the campaign easier on all of us Uh, with our scheduling conflicts and things like that, is we accepted the fact that we needed to do shorter sessions. Oh, for sure. Instead of doing a huge four-hour block, we cut it down to an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, we absolutely had to start doing that. And while it's frustrating because you can't get as deep into the character as you want, you can't really dive in like you really wish you could when you're that limited it's still i mean it's way better than nothing and Mm -hmm. let's face it if we didn't if we didn't cut down to two hour sessions we probably would never get to play right and it's so important to me that we do get the chance to play because it's a hobby we all enjoy 
And I think it brings us closer together as a family. And just having that quality time together means so much. Even, I mean, let's face it, we're going to deal with attitudes. Teenagers have attitude. Mm-hmm. Even the best teenager has an attitude occasionally. And especially when they're very busy and they may not want to sit down and play that day. And we try not to force them to. We're like, okay, you don't have to, but we're going to play. And, and it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating because for me, mm-hmm. I know they're going to have a good time. I know they're going to enjoy themselves. But that initial just, it's almost like they don't want to be told, even if they agree to it. And that was some of the things that we were trying. We would say, okay, what day are we all off work or we're all available? And we all agree to it. But when the time would come to it, the idea of putting down the phone, signing out of the Xbox, um, turning off whatever show they're watching or put down the book that they're reading and come to the table and all game... It, it, sometimes it felt like pulling, they would get very frustrated with us teeth. because yeah. they were like, this isn't what I want to do right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that not being insistent is a good thing because if they feel that it's a choice, they're less likely to dig in their heels. And mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, once they hear us having a good time and they realize you know, hey, I'm missing out. Then they come out and they go, hey, can I still jump in? Is it too late? And all is right again. So Well, and what, what I think is really hard with teenagers is they look like adults. They, they tra- do. They talk like adults. They <laughs> act like adults, right? They're taller than you. <laughs> They're taller than us now. They eat a truckload of food at yeah. one sitting. Yeah, so they... They, they start to feel like roommates and it's hard to remember that they're still children. Yes. And one of the things was always funny because ours are all little stair steps, little 17 months apart. When they were <laughs> tiny, when they were bobbleheads, one would always have a tantrum or one would always oh, couldn't go to sleep. Failed. Like all three couldn't be on the same sheet mm-hmm. of music at the same time. And... Now that they're teenagers, that kind of thing will happen as well. I would just be grateful back then that they weren't all having a tantrum at the same time. Yes, that was rare yes. for all three of them to erupt at the if same time. If they all three went crazy at once, it was like, forget it. Only only happened to me one time oh. in a wall, in a crowded Walmart <laughs> on a weekend. That's a story for another time. But, that was funny. Um, but now that they're teenagers, what will happen is one will say... I don't feel like doing that right now. And like you said, the rest of us will go to the table. We'll start our game. We're going along. Um, We'll even, during our Palladium campaign, we would just NPC whoever's character was, you know, whoever didn't want to sit at the table. And like you said, 15, 20 minutes in, all of a sudden they come out, they hear us laughing, they hear us rolling dice, they hear the oohs and ahs, yep. and they would come out and be like... Or they'll hear your voices. Mm-hmm. And... and they just sit down and pick up their character sheet, yep. and sometimes they would say, is it too late for me to join in? Or sometimes they wouldn't say anything. They'd just say, I'm here now, yep. and jump in. Pick up their dice. Yep. I think, though, being patient, being flexible... Mm-hmm not forcing it. I think that's helped us, but at the same time being firm and saying, this is what we're doing. This is family time. This is what we're doing tonight. Um, remember we all agreed on it last week. So if you don't feel like doing it now, okay, well, we're going to, we're still going to play. We're still playing, but you're going to miss out and I can't guarantee what's going to happen to your character. Yeah. 
And it's really funny though. If, if say the oldest one's the one putting up the fight, you hand the youngest one the character sheet. Can you run her character? <laughs> oh, <laughs> nothing will make her sit down at the table faster. <laughs> <laughs> We saw something that was kind of unusual in this last campaign with Palladium. Zaki started off with a character that he thought he was very excited about. He chose a changeling Mm -hmm. as his uh, character, and he was enjoying the transforming into uh, different disguises and things like that. But at some point during the campaign, I think there were uh, several sessions in. Yeah. He chose to go in a different direction. Do you, do you remember a little bit I don't about remember that? why he decided to change. Mm-hmm. I don't think he talked to us about no, it. No, but he, I remember he approached you and said, hey, I, I want to do this different thing. And you wove it into the story. Mm-hmm. And it made sense with the adventure. And we just kept playing through. Yeah, I, I don't know why he wanted to go in a different direction, but he decided he wanted to be a goblin and he wanted to be a druid. And he wanted a squirrel animal companion, and he had named her, and he had drawn his character, and all of these things. And I honestly really liked the second character way more. Way better. He was a much, much better character, a lot more dynamic, um, a lot more layers to mm-hmm. him. And he had some quirky things about him. Not only did he have some you know, magic that he did, um, but he had this little sparkling personality And then on top of it, one of the things he asked for, a frog person companion. Oh, that was one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen in a game. His little toady, literally. (laughs) (laughs) He's this little frog guy and he would just show up out of nowhere. He just, he had a backpack on Mm -hmm. and he wouldn't say a word. He Mm -hmm. would just peek out from the shadows kind of nod at the goblin mm-hmm. and then go back into the shadows. And you were like, what is this? What's happening? <laughs> it was so weird, but so funny at the same time. And I, I remember one particular session where the frog, his henchman, his, his sidekick kind of steps out from behind a building or something. And he's got, got his backpack on and he looks at everybody and he, he does his little croak and then he steps back into the shadows. Mm-hmm. And I remember the the other two saying, can we see the frog too? <laughs> or right? is it just his character who can see the frog? I'm like, oh no, you all see the frog. Um, and they're like, okay, I walk around the building. He's gone. And they're like, okay, what is happening? Mm-hmm. What is happening? It and, just added so much, like <laughs> just a little hint of flavor. You yeah, know? a little little fantasy excitement. Like in what there. exactly is happening mm-hmm. here? A little mystery to add to his character. It was really yeah. cool. So we've played the one shots and we've played some of that campaign. Mm-hmm. And I know that they miss it and they, they, we didn't really, we were really just revving up and we've kind of gotten away from it. Just life. Life gets so busy and it's about to get busier because I start a new job soon and Zach's wanting to go to brick and mortar high school rather than homeschool next year, which uh, for any new listeners, our children have been homeschooled since they were in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So this is a big change for our whole family. Um, Lexi is approaching her senior year. Yep. And she, she will continue to do homeschool, and Josh is in his junior year next year, so yeah. he'll also be doing homeschool. And 
it's just, it's a new... Well, and, and don't forget, you know, Lexi's working and Joshi's going to start working. Yeah, he desperately wants a job. Well. He's chomping so, at the bit. So now we're going to have, instead of one work schedule to work around, mm -hmm. now we're going to have four work mm -hmm. schedules to work around. And a now, school schedule. And we're going to have a school schedule to work around. Plus their extracurriculars, mm -hmm. plus their friends. Well, maybe we'll have to open up our family game table to some of their friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true, too. Now, you and I got to game with our grown-up friends. Yes, for the first time in forever. Forever. And we were able to go to the side quest in Plant City, Florida, mm -hmm. um, that was gracious enough to let us use one of their gaming rooms. And we were able to play little four-hour one-shot. And that was the one where... Uh, we were competing against you, you. Your adventuring group was competing against the other adventuring groups, and mm -hmm. you're trying to find an ancient dwarven weapon that was going to turn the tide of a war. And you guys didn't really know what it was. You just kind of had an idea of the location. And what were some of the big parts of that? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I do not recall a lot of the details of that game. I was just so excited to be out of the house. <laughs> I was excited to be amongst other adults. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, it was a big night for me. Mm -hmm. So the excitement of the game was great. It was a lot of fun. I do remember, I enjoyed it a lot. I remember that you pulled out a ridiculous quote miniature that was <laughs> larger than a toddler. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember though, a lot of the details. So I apologize. My short term memory is... So that that final that final encounter, um, we actually had a giant uh, suit of armor that was kind of like Voltron, like a mech. Yes. And each hero get to control like a part of it. That's right. And do that's right. I remember running down the hallway to jump into the body part. Yes. But and we didn't really know what we were doing. <laughs> it was just run down this hallway. Hey. I think this controls the arm. Um, yeah, that was wild. And then, of course, we had the um, adult red dragon outside. Terrifying. And when you guys emerged from the mountain in your uh, giant, mech. giant dwarven mech uh, fighting the dragon. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and... Uh, I blame all of the studying and paper writing... <laughs> It was just uh, so much. <laughs> Going back to college as an adult is a lot. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm just glad I got to be there. You know, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I've been running a lot of games online and have recently become a pro dungeon master. Which is so cool. I mean, it's insane <laughs> to me. It's pretty ridiculous that you get to do that. It's it's like a dream come true. I you wish know? you could do it as like your permanent job. I, mean, I know, right? Full time, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be really amazing. <laughs> but uh, what's so incredible about it, and I've told other people about this, is in junior high, spending hours and hours writing missions and poring over rule books and things like that. One of the things that people would ask me is, oh, is this something you can make money at? And I'm like, no, I do it because it's fun. <laughs> and, you know, here we are 
2023, and I had some friends who are professional dungeon masters, like Thor Nye, who mm-hmm. runs games at D&D in a Castle, um, those kind of things. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. I, I run games online on Roll20 all the time. I've been doing it since 2013. Uh, I run for friends and family across the country yes. online. Let me try and do it, uh, you know, for for pay. Yeah. And I was I was nervous at first, but I have had some amazing clients who have ordered four hour one shots, and now I'm running full length campaigns. I think it's wonderful, and I think that you put so much into your campaigns. You put so much into your one shots. I don't think anybody really realizes how much time and effort you put into each thing. And even this podcast, you put so much of yourself into these things. So the fact that you're able to take that and, you know, pay some of our bills with it is amazing. I mean, especially since we do have medical bills from my surgery and ridiculous amounts of doctor's appointments and whatnot that are piling up. Um, I, I just think it's a wonderful thing because... You know, of course, once I start working again, a little bit of that burden will be lifted, but it's been all on you. And the fact that you've juggled a full-time job that is a demanding job and working night shift, and in addition to all of that, you're such a good father. You're so good with these kids. You always have been. You've always been there for them. You've always spent time with them. You give them amazing talks. And you cheer them up when they're upset. I mean, you take you take all of us to so many fun places, even if we don't have any cash, you know. We'll find an adventure. We'll go on a hike or we'll go to a museum. You know, you always find something. And even when I wasn't able to walk, you would push me in the wheelchair so that we could still have our adventures. You know, you just you give 110% all the time. And I'm so grateful that you found a way to take your passion and turn it into a way to make money to help support our family. It's a huge deal. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for doing it. Well, I can't help it. I'm in love with you and I love our kids. So, and I have to thank the gaming community who had come together and supported us and they uh, donated some of the funds for, to help with the medical bills. I was Um, so blown away by that generosity. And I want to thank you guys. If you're listening, thank you so much. Because it's scary whenever you have a physical ailment like that. You know, you don't expect it. You wake up one morning and all of a sudden your ability has gone. You know, Um, I was so depressed because I had no I had no control over any of it. It was just happening to me. Mm -hmm. And you know me. I hate that whole victim mentality. I'm not the type of person who blames my problems on other things. It's, I take it on myself. I fix it myself. I'm, I've always been like that. (laughs) And in this instance, I couldn't, I literally couldn't because I was trying the stretches that the physical therapist had given me. I was trying everything. I was avoiding the activities I was told not to do. And regardless, I was still suffering. Yep. And it was just 
It was just miserable. It was miserable. Well, and and me watching you go through it, mm. and there was nothing I could do. But like, you there did. Was, there was, but there, but there wasn't. I couldn't fix it, mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't take it off of you. No. Um, and it was very, very. It was very hard to just try and be supportive and understanding and knowing that there was nothing more I could do but but what I did. Yeah. And I, I, you were great. And the kids were great. Everyone was so compassionate and kind and understanding. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have asked for a better family. Well, in January when you were, <laughs> where, where you were recovering... And, um, the doctor had you almost completely on, uh, you know, other than your, your walking exercises, um, you couldn't, you couldn't do anything around here. No, um, no, I couldn't. so, and the, the children, they really stepped up. They helped me, um, with cooking meals and keeping the house clean and doing laundry. Oh, everyone's cooking skills improved by leaps and bounds during this whole situation. I'm very grateful for that. I think, I think me making breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I think four days in a row. And I was like, okay, y'all got to (laughs) help. And they were like, oh, we can make stuff. We can make stuff. I was like, okay, okay. Cause, uh, this is a lot. This is a lot. And then our, and then our family and friends came by with dishes. Yes. We had some very, very sweet and kind gestures from friends and family. Mm -hmm. I was super grateful for, but yeah, your skills, um, you went from making crunchy scrambled eggs to making nice, fluffy, delicious scrambled eggs those were probably the most dramatic of the changes for sure but yeah but that that the uh my my recipe repertoire has greatly lengthened for sure um, since january so (laughs) all right well mother's day is coming up yes and we are probably going to be celebrating um you know small this year um, yeah, I expect it to be small this year, but that's okay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I don't need a trip to the beach for Mother's Day, or uh, I don't even need breakfast in bed or anything like that for Mother's Day. Just being with my family is enough for me. So, well, we are we're going to have a great time, and now you are feeling better. Yes. And you just got a new job. I did. I just got a new job. I haven't got my start date yet. It's so new. So I'm really nervous and thrilled and did I say nervous? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm hopeful though. And just the idea that, you know, I'm going to be making money for our family again. It's nice to feel that you're adding to the solution rather than the problem. (laughs) I am just glad that your uh, degree is going to go to good use. For sure. And (laughs) you are going to be uh, starting on a new career path. And now we're, we're moving into the, into the future Um, as our, as our children are getting ready to move into adulthood and you're moving into a new career path and I'm turning uh, hobbies into possible future full-time careers. Ooh, so, that's scary. I know. What I a know. statement to make. <laughs> so, but it's just, it's a very exciting time for our family. It is. 
lots of changes, but all positive. Feels like a lot of growth and uh, metamorphosis, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't tell you in words what an amazing mother you've been to our children. What a supportive and patient wife you've been to me. Thank you. And I just want to say happy Mother's Day. Now you're going to make me cry. (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. Thank you for doing this. And uh, thank you for sharing with all the folks at home who are listening. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. And wishing all the gamer moms out there a happy Mother's Day from us here at Raised on D&D. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Raised on D&D podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow on all your favorite apps and social media.